It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is trumpeter and singer Brian Newman, who has his own late-night Vegas residency. Brian Newman, After Dark, at the Nomad Library, where he brings a jazz nod to Old Vegas, August 12th through the 14th and August 19th through the 21st, with all shows starting at 1130. For ticket information, go to nomadlasvegas.mgmresorts.com. And for everything about Brian Newman, Go to briannewman.com, and you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And Brian's current album is Electric Lounge. Brian, welcome to the show. Oh, Ira, thank you so much for having me today, man. It's it's great to talk to you. It's a pleasure. How do you define your unique approach to performing jazz? Is it in the selection and in the delivery? Is it a combination of the two? How How would you define it? I mean, I think, you know, to me, you know, music, this American tradition is, is, is so important to, to, uh, respect the, the tradition of this, of, of the music that, that was created here in America. And, but, but I also feel like, you know, pushing the boundaries on that while respecting the tradition, you know, helps make that accessible to anyone. You know, it's not something that is, can only be listened to by a certain amount of people. It's, 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 uh, old, young. It doesn't matter where you are in the spectrum or any, anywhere. You're, you're going to enjoy it because it's an accessible, uh, and, and it's just, and it's just fun. It's entertainment. That's, that's my, my whole thing is, uh, just being an entertainer, you know? And that is always interesting to me because, and this may just be my perspective. I think that jazz is considered cool. So as a result, is there joy in jazz? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's filled with joy. I, I mean, like, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing better than, you know, playing with your band. And, uh, and playing with the guys and just like having a wonderful crowd that, that's supportive and, and is with you. You know what I mean? And that, and that's the whole thing with the show in Vegas and every show that we do is, is we're, we're going on a journey. We're going on a trip. Everybody's coming with us. The band, the audience, the, the, the waiters, the, the bartenders, you know, everybody's on this trip together and we're all, we're all going to Joyland, <laughs> as, as, as you would say. <laughs> well, the reason I mentioned your unique approach, because a lot of jazz performers that I've seen on stage, they're almost too cool for the room. People enjoy it, but it's at a, I don't want to say academic level, but at a certain jazz level, which doesn't open it up to a lot of other people in the world. And in your definition of it and your approach to it is to open it up to the world. Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, I don't think you need to change the content. We, we can still play, you know, heavy, intricate songs, uh, but, but also with, with, a, with, that, with an air of, of fun. And, and you know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, it doesn't have to be so closed in and, and introverted. You know, our, our music is, is you know, is, is, is heavy and we, we like to have fun. And we like to play difficult things, but we also, we also know that we have to make it accessible to everyone. And, and that's, if, even if that means just smiling and having a good time, that means everybody's having a good time, you know, and, and no matter what song we're playing. You started young, but when was the first time you really felt that you connected with the audience? Oh, I, I, th- I think immediately. I, I mean, I think that, like, I just always loved, like, um, I don't know. We, I, I took a jazz camp, like, in s- between sixth and seventh grade, and it was, like, learning the blues. And, like, then at the end of the six-week class, we, we played the blues and we had a concert. And, like, I just, I loved playing. I loved uh I loved improvising, uh, you know, and I just loved like just the feeling of being around people and, and making and making people smile, making people happy. I mean, that's the, I, can't, I can't say it enough that that's the bottom line for me is just, uh, you know, 
being entertaining and, and, and have a good time in life and in music. Well, when I read that you attended a jazz camp, I had this vision of you playing trumpet on a canoe. You know, uh, yeah. as you left the tent area and you just. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, yes, it, it was like you know I had this really great teacher at the time, um, and I was you know, I was basically improvising in concert band, and I didn't know you know what I mean what that was called, but I kept getting in trouble for you know playing over the band and just fiddle, you know noodling around and stuff like that, and and he recommended Mr. Tim Yole out in Cleveland, Ohio, recommended that I take this jazz class. And they call it summer jazz camp or whatever. And it was six weeks. And like I said, we learned the blues. And, and it was just, that was the, that was the first time that I, I, I realized that there was music off the page that, you know, I didn't have to, I didn't have to uh, read music on a sheet. I, I could, I could make it up myself and, and create my own melodies and build organic things with a band, you know, even if I didn't know what it, that was called at the time. A little play on words. Was Mentor Ohio a mentor to you? Uh, yeah, Mentor, Mentor was really great, man. Mentor, Mentor, Ohio. Growing up there, uh, you know, there was a lot of great musicians there, and really, really shaped me. Uh, I played with a, this swing band in in the in the mid '90s. You know, I was really about 14, 15, and you know, during that whole swing resurgence, you know, with the Zoot Suits and all that stuff, and they didn't have any music, so it was all memorizing, and they were all older than me, and you know, and then I, you know, but when I was 12 or 13, I started booking gigs at coffee houses. And then I was playing at a uh, Italian restaurant three nights a week. I always had the passion for live performance and I always wanted to be out and doing it. I just tried to surround myself with people that, that are better than me. And I continue to do that. I, I, I want to push myself to get, to get better. And, and, and the band that I'm with is, is, is pushes me every day. Cause you know, they're, they're, they're just amazing. When you mentioned about connecting with an audience in a live performance, you also obviously have recorded several albums. Your first one was live from New York City. And you touch on, in, in subsequent albums as well, the great American songbook. And a lot of the great American songbook is, in a sense, jazz. But you look to a period of time where the masters were at work, Cole Porter, George and Ira Gershwin, etc. Do you find a, an emotional connection with that era? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, and I just, I think the lyrics, the, you know, the lyrics of all those, you know, talking about Cole, Cole Porter and George and Ira and, you know, Jimmy Van Heusen and, and, you know what I mean, Dorothy Fields, all, all these beautiful songs that were written in, in a bygone era. My, my favorite thing to do is to, is to play those and bring them into, you know, and just, and just add our flavor to it. But, you know, like I said, we're respecting the tradition of those songs and the lyrics mean so much to me. You know what I mean? It's like, even as a young jazz musician, when I wasn't really singing a lot, it was always stressed to me by teachers and mentors around me that, you know, even if you're just playing the melody on your trumpet, you still have to know the lyrics to the song. So it was, you know, to, to be able to feel what that is. You're playing Darn That Dream and you don't know what the words are. You know, it, it, it may, maybe, that, maybe it's lost on. You know, I, I, you know I, I, that was always a big thing with me. Does that, that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it, it does make sense. And I have to tell you something, Brian. You are the first guest to bring up the name, because I have brought her name up to many guests I've had on the show. You're the first to bring it up to me, Dorothy Fields. And oh. this, this impresses me because Dorothy Fields is, is somewhat of an unsung lyricist in the sense of on a sunny side of the street and so many great songs from that era. And yet a lot of people don't recognize it. I did an interview with someone I want to talk to you about in a moment, Tony Bennett, in uh, 2008, and we only had about eight minutes together, but I talked to him about the great American songbook, and we talked about, as well, Dorothy Fields. So it's, it's clearly a nod from your end, and I wanted to acknowledge that, that normally oh. you don't hear that. No, and, and it's a beautiful, I mean, and that whole story, her and Jimmy McHugh, like they were, they were uh, I, I, I might be misquoted, you know, hopefully this is right, but a good friend of mine is, is uh, Lee Newman out, out in L.A., and he, he runs Jimmy's 
Jimmy McHugh and Dorothy Fields catalog. And uh, so we, we've got a chance to meet. I've gotten to play Jimmy's piano, uh, go to his offices and stuff like that. And But, uh, you know, their, their story is just so amazing. I mean, they were both with other people and then they met each other. They fell in love, you know, you know, and they, 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 they got divorced or whatever. They left their, their significant others and got together and then wrote all those beautiful songs. And, and uh, you know, that that's that's a story in itself. And that, I think that to me, that's what's so important about this songbook is is all the people, you know, Cole Porter, his journey as a human being and, and what he had to do and, and what he wrote. And, you know, there's, there's a story to everything and telling that story, uh, you know, to continuing that story on is so important. It is. And just really recently, you work with Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga, and it's just been out, released. I get a kick out of you with Cole Porter, and I watched it on YouTube. And once again, you you know, you, you look at institutions in America, and uh, Tony Bennett just never fails to amaze me. Oh, he's he's just incredible. Yeah, we just, last night was the, was the last night. We played two nights at Radio City Music Hall this week with the 40-piece orchestra and uh, and Gaga and Bennett, and, and it was just, it was it was his last concert, so you know, it was. A tr- it's always a tremendous honor. You know, we've shared many stages with Tony and and many great times. And but uh, last night was just you know one for the history books. I I can't even I can't even tell you how much that meant to me and my band to be on stage with 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 that and to be able to to, to be involved and and so heavily involved. You know, arranging music and and, and performing and and uh, you know just just it's it's a tremendous honor. I I can't say it enough. When you get a chance, you should write down your thoughts and memories of that because that's something you can look back to 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Oh, just, absolutely. Yeah. I'll, it's something I'll never forget. You know what I mean? I, I, I remember so many great times with Gaga and Tony Bennett and just really bringing this music to the forefront has been tantamount. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's incredible to, to watch them, what they're doing and, and, and how, how well that they do what they do. And now you're coming from the big stage to a much more intimate setting. As I mentioned, you're going to be at the Nomad Library. And again, the date's August 12th through the 14th and August 19th through the 21st. And so you're segueing from an, a big room to an intimate setting. Is that easy for you or does it take a slight adjustment? Oh, you know what? No, it's great. Even last night. So we got done with Radio City probably around 11 o'clock. And by 11.30, we, me and the boy, me and the five-piece band were jamming at Fine and Rare, our, our, our weekly Saturday night hang in New York. But we, we did a little, you know, we opened to the public. It was a packed house and we played till about three in the morning in New York last night. And we had wonderful guests like John Batiste from the Colbert show, you know, his drummer, Joe Saylor, uh, Gaga came down and hung out. Uh, she didn't sing with us, but it was just, you know, she, she worked hard enough. You know, it was, it was just great to have her there enjoying the, enjoying the evening. You know what I mean? And we had so many special guest musicians from New York and just around, around the globe, you know, it was just an incredible night. So, so no, I love, you know, and even in Vegas, when we go play with Gaga on the big stage for in at the park theater, and then right after half hour later, we're, we're rocking the nomad after dark. And honestly, I'm warmed up. I'm ready to go. You know, it's like that, that, that's, that's my wheelhouse. That late night, that late night hang is, is right where I need to be. You know, it's like that Willie Nelson song, the nightlife. It ain't no good life, but it's my life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're in, you're in the groove. Yo, in the group uh, yeah. is right, baby. Uh, Daddy, oh, that's it, that's it. <laughs> For <laughs> some of our listeners who may not have been yet to the Nomad Library, give us a sense of the feel of the room. I've I've been there, so I know it, but how would you describe it from the performer's perspective? Uh, it's definitely grandiose, but it's also just so homey. You know what I mean? It, it feels like your. It feels like my home away from home. You know, when I walk in there, it's it's a. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an incredible room. I mean, 20,000 books, I think from John D. Rockefeller's library line, the walls, the ceilings are, 
uh, I don't know, 20, 30 feet high. And, uh, you know, there's a small stage that's probably only like six inches high and the drums are on the floor and, you know, the dancers dance down. We, we, you know, we walk down the center aisle down the dance. You know, my wife, Angie Pontani is going to be with us and she, she, she dances wonderful burlesque. She's one of the best. She is the best burlesque dancer in the world, in my opinion. And, and, uh, I know I'm, a I know I'm a little biased, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, there's, there's, there's something about that tradition too, that is, is lost on, on some of the things, you know, you're talking about jazz musicians and how it, sometimes it can be a little, just, just a, not, not what it's supposed to be, you know, and, right. uh, and, and, and she does it, she does it the best, man. She brings the crowd in, she brings her bumps and grinds and, uh, I, don't, I don't know. But anyway, I'm, I get off track. But No, uh, no, it's fine. No, I'm glad you mentioned you know, her because I actually was going to ask you about her later on, but you brought her up, so that's great. Yeah, but the room, I mean, it's just incredible. It's an incredible place to see a show, you know, and, it, and you know, we're all together. It's not like we're up on a stage high away from, you know, you know we're in the room. We're walking through the room. We're playing. We're we're bringing you into the show. Like, you, like I said, we're going on that journey together, all of us, from the bartender to the ticket girl. You know what I mean? Right. Everybody, everybody's, everybody's having a good time and everybody's going with it. Do you find that, and I should point out that you don't need a library card to to go to this. You oh, just yeah, have to no, get a ticket. No. <laughs> so that, that, yeah. that's one of, that's one of my favorite jokes too. Uh, you know, when when when, <laughs> when when Angie comes out and they get down to the G string and the and the and the pasties, and I just look around the room and I'm like, oh, what? Look at all these books. You know, <laughs> look at all these books. You do not need a library card. That is true. That is. True. I'm going to take you further astray just for a moment because you did bring up Angie. Where did the two of you meet? Oh, we met. She she produces the New York Burlesque Festival. They're going into I think their 18th year in New York City. And um, I was a sideman years ago, and I always respected her. And of course, I thought her I thought she was extremely attractive. But she's a businesswoman, and she's strong, man. She's strong at her craft. And um, just I just had a lot of respect for her. And, and we ended up working on some other stuff. And over the years, and then and then I remember I, I bought I saved all my money and and I bought. Like she, lo- she's a huge Mets fan, so I bought her tickets at the old Shea Stadium, just me and her to go, and we sat about three rows behind home plate, and we had such a good time. But I played it so cool, Ira, that that she didn't think it was a date, and I was so, <laughs> and I was so, I was, I was just like, oh man, this this girl's not into me, you know, and I was, and I was kind of mad, you know, but you know, and so I remember I, so we didn't talk, we, we you know, she would call me for gigs, and I kind of like was like, ah, I don't, you know, I was, I was. I was being, I was being, uh, not, you know, I, I told her, I said, oh, I can't do those. I can't do those gigs. But that, and then, so we didn't go out for about four or five years again. We didn't go out for about four or five years. And then our, our real good friend, Murray Hill, famous comedian, got me that. He I said, you got to ask out Angie again. And I was like, ah, nah, you know, I can't do it. She, we already went out. She doesn't, she's not into me. And, um, we finally did. We went on one date, and we've been in love ever since. And, and uh, you know, we have a beautiful daughter, and, and uh, I, I couldn't be a luckier man. Uh, you know, there's not, you know, it's, it's an amazing feeling. That's a great story. And not to take the spotlight off of you, but down the road, I'd like to uh, interview Angie, too. I've had. Oh, Iris, she would love that, man. That, yeah, that I've be, had Dita Von Tees. I had Dita Von Tees on in, in past shows. And so I, yeah. I, I know my way a little around burlesque, not totally, but a little bit around. Of course. Cool. Of who does, you know, <laughs> especially, especially us men, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> so, now, when would, do you remember your first time in Las Vegas? And do you remember it was in terms of as a, as a performer or even just visiting Las Vegas? Oh man. Well, I remember my, my father took me there for my 21st birthday. So, you know, it, it was, it was wonderful. I remember we went to, we went to the Tropicana and we saw the, uh, we went to go see the showgirls show that they had there and, 
And the folly, br- the f- yeah, the folly yeah, bergere. The, fo- the follies bergere. This, yeah. was, this was probably what two thousand and one or two. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe two thousand and two. And and uh, you know we we didn't realize that it was going to be topless, and me and my father just sitting there, uh, you know, kind of a little uncomfortable. But it, we had a we had a blast. <laughs> uh, we, we we had a blast. Uh, it was it was just an, and then we stayed at the at the Tropicana, and I remember we so I took a picture in front of the MGM and. And just just to be able to play there is and to bring my own show there and do the things that we do there is just a dream come true. I I I, I was I I was I'm so honored. I you know I know I keep saying that. That's but, okay. You know, That's okay. Every, every, everything is hum. I, everything is humbling. You know what I mean? I I love doing what I'm doing and to be able to do it on this level and with with the people that I love and and in a city that is the the entertainment capital of the world. I mean, it's just it. Like I said, it's a dream come true. Ira, I I I I'm, I'm so lucky, man. I'm blessed. You are, and and, to, and again, to segue from the big stage to the intimate setting of the library at Nobad, it's, it's a great way to do it, and you're doing it, so you're living the dream. I, I, I really am, man. I, I, re- I really am, and, and uh, you know, I owe that a lot to my family and, and, and my, my mom and dad for, for uh, you know, believing in me and, and supporting me when I, when I wanted to, when, you know, when, when, I, when I had a gig in Youngstown and my dad had to drive me because I couldn't get into the club. You know, with, without a, without a parent, you know, you know, right. uh, it's like, like those, those times and, you know, them saving their money so they could get me the trumpet that I, that I wanted. And just, just, uh, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't thank them enough and, and, and just to be, be for their support always, you know, it really, it, it really shaped me into who I am. Well, I have a philosophical question for you. And that is, you almost became a sommelier at one point in your life. Do you think there's an affinity between wine and jazz? Yes, there is, and I think there's an affinity between the hospitality industry and what I do as a musician. You know, I I I think I've le- I learned so much from being a waiter, a back waiter. I, you know, I've done every job in in a restaurant, and and at the end of the day, my job is hospitality too. You know, it's like you want to make someone feel good. You want to make someone forget about the, uh, the 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 troubles or the pressures of their life or their job for just if 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 only for a night. You know, if only for a few sets. You know, or only a few drinks or only a few bites of, of that steak or, or, you know, it's like you want to take people out of what, where they are and bring them somewhere new. And I think that, you know, that being in the restaurant business and knowing that side of it and then bringing that into my music and bringing that into the show ha- has been super helpful, you know, because at the end of the day, you're like I said, you're just trying to make people happy and you want, you sure. want, you want you and, and it's and that and that's it, man. You want people to leave, leave your restaurant or your club or your, your show feeling better than they did when they came. You know? you, no, you're right. But I, the reason I was asking the question about the affinity between wine and jazz is because some people are wine, I don't want to say wine snobs, but they're connoisseurs that can appreciate subtleties in the wines, the different wines. And in jazz, it's kind of a similar situation. That's why I was asking that question. Oh, and absolutely. I totally agree with you. I mean, I I do. I love wine. And I, we still, my, my wife and I, enjoy enjoy bottles whenever we can you know what i mean i can't wait to come back and go to the golden steer and and have a have a bottle <laughs> come back. that's my that's one of my favorite places on earth i think <laughs> it's definitely old school vegas absolutely yeah. Yeah. oh and that's my favorite thing too man vegas is so i just love all the old school stuff i love all the old stories and you know it's just it's just an amazing thing and there know? and there are so many people people don't realize that there are so many people that still live here and you can see them out and about town and you have no idea what their history is and yet they've they've been a part of the Las Vegas entertainment scene for decades and oh. they may be out of it now but they have so many stories for sure i mean i mean just I mean, if if anybody's listening that has not been to the golden steer make sure you order the caesar salad table side because 
the the guy Victor that makes it for you has been there forever, and he has so many stories. It's worth the it's worth the stories alone <laughs> to, to, just, to, to to eat the Caesar salad amongst amongst everybody. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's told me stories about Sammy Davis. You know, all all the beautiful Dean and Frank and 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 you know and John Wayne and and Elvis and Muhammad Ali and you know all all these like you said, everyone ha- everyone is part of that history and of of Las Vegas, and and uh, it's just an incredible feeling. No doubt there. about it. The history with you is you have not only your wife, Angie, but you have a relationship with Alex Smith. So tell us a little bit about Alex. Oh, yeah. Alex Smith, man, and Steve Cortica are, are you know, they're original members of the band. I met both of them. I met Alex in 99. We were, I was a freshman. He was like a, a junior or a senior at, at Cincinnati Conservatory. And then the next year, uh, Steve Cortica, our sax player, came in and, and, you know, we were playing then. And then, you know, we we, we've been continued. So, you know, we're talking about 20, 21 years with both of those guys now. And, and, uh, you know, we've toured the world together and we've got to work with Tony Bennett and Gaga and Stevie Wonder. And, you know, I mean, the, uh, Ashanti, the list goes on and on. Terrence Blanchard, it's just the opportunities and, and, and it's just, it's just been so good, you know, and I'm so proud of them because, you know, we're all humble guys. We're all, we're all just want to be better at our craft. And, and, you know, I, I keep saying it, but we just, at the end of the day, you know, we want people to be entertained. We want people to feel good. And, and that's, and that's really everybody's on board with that. And Alex is such a special guy to me, man. I mean, he's he, he's he's the yin to my yang. You know, you, you understood. Know what I mean? Sure, like, it, it it really is. It's like I, I'm a little I'm a little uh, I'm a little bit of a wild man. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I I'm out. I'm the face of the band. I'm playing, but you know, he keeps everything together. And uh, you know, Daniel Foose on bass. Uh, you know, these guys are with me for years. And Nolan Bird on drums. And and uh, they they just they just really they take care of me. I take care of them. And, and it's it's a it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing, man. Well, it has to be the last that long. And do Alex and Steve and the other guys shake their head like you do about the places they've been and the people they've performed with? I uh, yeah, I mean I do too. I mean it's 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 definitely a pinch pinch yourself kind of a lot of right. No, I mentioned you. I know you mentioned earlier that you do, but I was curious if the other guys did as well. Oh yeah, well they're they're always they're always right with me. So you know it's it's an it's an incredible thing. You know you know and it's really. Um, you know, and we're always just so happy to, to to do it. I mean, I think the most most fun thing about music is is playing with other people and bringing other people in. And I think that's what's so special about the Las Vegas show at the Nomad is because it's um there's so many different beautiful musicians in Vegas that live there all the time, and there's so many that come through. One of my favorite singers of all time is Jacqueline McSpadden, and she's Vegas's own, and and she's gonna be with us every every night here, and and uh, she's just incredible, man. Her voice, her 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 demeanor, her her her, her kindness. She's a really amazing person and, and a beautiful, beautiful musician. How did you first get connected with the Nomad Library? Because it's a, it seems such a natural fit for you. That how did that come about? Did you approach them? Did they approach you, or you just discovered each other? Well, I mean, uh, you know, all, all the time. Usually, when we play with we play with Gaga, you know, when we were on the Tony Bennett tour with them, the Cheek Cheek tour, we had we had always booked our own shows after those shows. So it was always like. There was always a late night hang somewhere. And, um, you know, I, honestly, I'll never forget. It was, it was after, uh, I hope I'm not speaking out of school here, but it was after um, uh, her first jazz and piano performance at the Park Theater. And we were in the back room at Bavette's. And when we were back there and, and, you know, there was, there was some, definitely some, some higher ups at the MGM. And I was sitting at the table with Gaga and, uh, and, 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 and one of those particular cats. And she was just like, uh, man, you, you got to have Brian come and do a show here, you know, you know, you know, and it was just like, I, I couldn't believe it. And then it did, it happened, you know, and, and, and we were able to do it. And she just, she always speaks so highly of us. She always takes such good care of us. And, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Hornbuckle was just like, you know, over the moon to have us. And, and, and I'm so over the moon to be there, you know? Yeah. It's a great fit. 
I want to go back in history just a little bit with you, your personal history. Why did you pick New York as opposed to New Orleans or L.A. in terms of where you wanted to end up getting into the music scene more than from, obviously, your, your base in Ohio? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I knew that if I stayed in Cleveland or, you know, where I went to school in Cincinnati, I, I would never really achieve the things that, that, that uh, you know, the goals that I had in mind. And from, from such a young age, I, all I wanted to do was be a, a musician in New York City. You know, I, I, that's all I wanted to do. And, and um, uh, you know, and I spent my formative years in, in high school and middle school, you know, preparing for that. And as much as people said that, you know, it wouldn't happen or blah, 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 you know what I mean? Oh, don't move to New York. You know, you're, you're not going to make it. You know what I mean? That, that made me even more amped about coming to here and more amped about following the dreams that I had in my mind. And I, I had no idea that it would take me to Radio City for Tony Bennett's last show, uh, you know, w- you know, with Lady Gaga and 6,000 people and President Clinton. And, I, you know, I, it was just it's insane. It's, re- it's really it's really insane. It's, it's, um, it's, it's something else. It's you know, quite the I, journey. And you realize, even though you're a relatively young guy, you're going to have to write your memoirs at some point. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yes, yes, indeed. And uh, I, well, so one, one, someday, someday I will. <laughs> well, before I let you go, we have just two quick questions. One is the difference for you between performing live and you talked about why you love it, but you're also recording all these different albums. And I mentioned your current album, Electric Lounge. So when you record, it's a different discipline. It's a different approach. You stop and start and it's it's in one room and there's not really a major audience other than engineers and fans, I mean, family and stuff. But was it still rewarding to record various albums? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, my, my, our style of recording is always as live as possible. You know, we do, we do as, as, as few overdubs as possible. You know, we, we, do everything, we do everything live with the band playing, you know, and we take full takes, you know, you know so there's no, there's no, there's not, there's not any punching in vocals, you know, there's not any punching in solos, you know, most of it is, you know, every once in a while, maybe you have to, maybe you, maybe you miss a note here, you miss a note there, but we, we try to keep it as authentic and real as possible. And I think that's super, that's super important to me. And that's super important to the band. And, and, uh, you know, I know that comes off when, when we listen to the records and, you know, I hope that, I hope people can hear that too. And I think that's the old school way of recording too. Certainly Sinatra did it that way. Oh, they, I don't, they didn't really have a choice. Yes, so that's was, true. The, that's you true. Set, you set, set the mics up and, and you better go and you, you better nail it. You know what I, mean? I, 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 I think that's important. I mean, I think a lot of young musicians, you know, don't realize that, you know, you know, it's like that, that, that you, you know, and I think the craft of being a musician is so important because you really have to, you know, you have to go, you get you when it, when it's time, you got to go, you know, and you got to play it right, you know, and you've been hoping you're recording in that situation. I mean, even last night, the past two nights at Radio City that we played with them, it's like they're recording that live. You know, I'm sure it'll be, I think they're recording it for te- television. And, you know, it's so, so, so you have to be on. You don't want to miss anything. You know, you want to you step in a hole on one of those things. It's on tape forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, last question, and you can make it as open-ended or as close-ended as you want. Future plans. What do you think you want to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, you know what, man? I, well, I, you know, obviously definitely more in Vegas. I can't wait to get back there, you know, more regularly like we were before. And, um, you know, honestly, I, I, I would love to do my own big band show, you know, you know, with an orchestra and show more showgirls and bigger stages. And, you know what I mean? I, I think that's definitely in the cards and, and, uh, that's definitely in my goals for life, you, you know, is, is to, is to keep going and keep moving forward, keep learning and, and, and just keep soaking it up, keep bringing people together and, and, uh, you know, and, and putting out good stuff, you know, making people feel good. That's, that's the bottom line. 
That's a great way to end it. My guest has been trumpeter and singer Brian Newman, who has his own late-night residency, Brian Newman After Dark, at the Nomad Library, where he brings a jazz nod to Old Vegas, August 12th through the 14th and August 19th through the 21st, with all shows starting at 1130. For ticket information, go to nomadlasvegas.mgmresorts.com. And for everything about Brian Newman, Go to briannewman.com and you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget his current album, Electric Lounge. And Brian, thanks for being on the show. Oh, Ira, thank you so much for having me. Uh, It's been an incredible to talk to you. You ask wonderful questions. And, uh, you know, I just love Vegas so much. I'm such an honor to be there. And I can't wait to come back. Well, I appreciate it. too long, man. It is. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world.